Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. Chowan here. Today I have such a unique guest. She is Andy Stein and I actually found her on Instagram and then I went to her Kickstarter and yes we're talking about the book Rena. If you guys haven't seen it I'm gonna link it down below. If you were stuck in an elevator with somebody and you had about 30 seconds to a minute to tell them what your Kickstarter campaign is about, what would you tell them? I would say I'm a children's book author and I write books about modern witchcraft and pagan practices for kids. Generally for you know preschool and kindergarten aged kids, I write rhyming books. I'm trying to make books that blend into a traditionally published landscape while introducing concepts about magical and occult practices that are missing from the traditional publishing landscape. What's Greena, the actual book, what's it basically about? It's basically about a little witch checking out different types of witchcraft and trying to figure out which of those paths, if any, she's going to take. Andy's Kickstarter has amazing like little bonuses, like depending on which tier you chose. Yes, it's my first Kickstarter project. Um, Casey, who illustrated my book, she had done one very successful Kickstarter before for her band. This is her first book. She had never illustrated a book before, but she runs her own graphic design and illustration company. And she happens to live in Austin, which is where I've lived for the past year. So we got really, really lucky. I get to go get coffee with her once a week and hang out and work on our stuff. And our kids are friends. And we have a lot more of a collaborative relationship, which is what I was looking for. So yes, the art is amazing, but none of it is me. It's so fun to work with other witchy and magical people to do projects. Yeah, and I've never had another, like I've never really had a friend in person in my real life that I practiced with. It's really cool to be able to talk about it in person with someone and for instance the, the tarot card sticker that she drew and that we're talking about making into a print. To be able to have like an in-depth conversation of which card to pick and why and which card is the most reflective of what we're doing right now in our journey and to not just be like oh yeah do the high priestess it's cool which is what i would have had to say to any random illustrator that i picked out and i would have had to describe what i wanted a lot more whereas i was able to give casey the text it's 300 words and she was able to give me back all of the illustrations with things that i never would have thought of and this Kickstarter is like a pre-order. Exactly, so you're essentially pre-ordering the book through Kickstarter, and then the funds from the pre-order, I still owe Casey a lot of money for her amazing artwork, and then um, to print the books, a thousand hardcover books, to have them shipped to us, and then to create all of the extra 
rewards like the stickers and the pins and the prints. I'm looking at the Kickstarter page right now. So it's for Brina, a pagan picture book. Your minimum to have this project funded was $7,500. You're at $11,340. That must feel amazing. Yeah. It's actually rare for a Kickstarter project to get funded so quickly. And it's a children's book about paganism, about witchcraft. Mm -hmm. That makes it, I think, super rare. And so there's obviously market demand for it. Children's books in general on Kickstarter have about 30% less rare. Who is this book really for? I had some people ask me that originally because especially editors were saying, you know, you have to figure out if you're writing for the niche witchcraft pagan community that will understand your references or if you're just writing a general book for anyone to read. And I mean, I'm definitely writing for people that are in the community. Um, I freely use the term, you know, the law of threefold. I talk about the Norse pantheon. There's words that, you know, other people just might not, other people might have to look up. Um, but I think that if you have general base knowledge of what you're doing, or even want to open up the conversation for yourself and your kids and Google things and find out what they are, for anyone, mostly parents of kids ages two to six. It is a rhyming book. I love rhyming books. The first time that I met Casey, I met her in a coffee shop and I brought a stack of books that I found inspiring, just books out of my daughter's bookshelf. And I read her, I was like, is it weird if I read you this book out loud? She was like, no, but like she probably thought it was weird. And I read her this book, Thelma the Unicorn. I read it out loud, like very animatedly in this coffee shop. And it's a rhyming book. And there's something about the rhyme that just in general, like a good rhyme and meter that keeps you so pulled into a book that I knew that also like that was what I needed because I love to read rhyming books as a parent. They're always the books that I pull out of the shelf. I think that's the moment that sold her, like reading her that book because you can get so into it even as an adult and there's a power in picture books that it doesn't go away. Side note, a lot of spells rhyme. Mm -hmm. So there is something to be said about the rhythm and meter of language that puts you in a trance, that gives you that musicality, that helps put your mindset into that more liminal magical space. Tell me a little bit more about this Kickstarter project. What inspired you and you know like what made it actually birth into creation? So I wrote the book in one day. I wrote the book January 21st. And um, I was at work and I went to lunch at Chipotle at work and I ended up sitting there for probably three hours. And all the people working at Chipotle were like, what is she still doing here? Why don't she leave? And um, I had it all written out on pieces of paper. And it's changed very little since then. Um, I mean, it's been edited for the rhyme and meter, but pretty much very similar to how I originally wrote it. Within maybe a week, I had found Casey locally and done all of my basic research on both traditional and self-publishing and made the decision to self-publish. I spoke to an editor who was formerly with HarperCollins and she read my manuscript and she said, you know, I'm happy to work with you and give you feedback. I just want to make sure that you're self-publishing because no traditional publisher will touch this with a 10-foot pole. I just thought it was interesting that she thought it was so controversial to be writing about witchcraft in a positive way or be writing about witchcraft for kids. Why won't they touch it with 10-foot pole? Right, there are more and more grown-up adult books about witchcraft. 
Um, there are publishers that specify in books about witchcraft wiser, but there's nothing even rem like remotely for kids. I had my daughter, she was asking me, she was like, I want like a, like a spell book, like a kid's spell book. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. I'm gonna have to write it for you and make it because <laughs> it's not a thing I can just buy, but she'll go to the adult occult section at the bookstore and flip through all the books because she just finds it interesting. And it kind of birthed this idea that I needed to be self-publishing and that I needed the funds to do that. Um, I started talking with other people who had self-published children's books and run successful Kickstarter campaigns and realized that it seemed like, first of all, a good way to get the initial funding. And second of all, a really good market test to see if people were even interested in what I was doing. Because if I put the Kickstarter up and we got no bites, it would have been pretty clear to me that it was a missing market, but that no one was looking for it. And I was very much writing for myself originally. And they always say that's the number one mistake in business. You know, don't make the thing that you want, make the thing that the market wants. And I did that. I wrote something that I wanted and it, it turned out that it hit a lot of other boxes for other people. From what I read, you were looking for a book about witches or about paganism for your daughter. Books are, they have this kind of heirloom quality to them. And I couldn't find any books on what I wanted. I wanted something that was about witchcraft and that didn't show a witch next to a vampire and a mummy and a werewolf and that didn't show her in striped stockings on Halloween and that didn't have her cursing all the townspeople and the children. Pass you on! This woman with her evil magic. And I couldn't find it. There's a second in the Kickstarter video where my daughter is holding up this page of a book and it has an like, illustrated witch in it and she has dark green skin and warts and all this stuff. And I bought the book on Amazon because the book was called I Want to Be a Witch and it showed this cute little girl riding on a broomstick. And I opened it up and the whole book is I want to be a witch but not that kind of witch. And it shows I don't want these knobby knees and I don't want this gross green skin and I don't want my to have a crooked nose. I only want to be a cute witch. And I was like, what the fuck? Like what? This is trash. When it comes to picture books and like kids media in general shows for little kids the witch is the Halloween witch. Yeah. And I mean then you get a little older and you get Hermione Granger and you get some more positive examples, but it's still nothing like what real witchcraft looks like. There are these books that I loved when I was little, the Miss Nelson books. And she comes in as Miss Nelson and she's this big mean woman and she's wearing black and they say she's such a witch and there's no magical association whatsoever. It's purely that she is a mean, strict woman who's wearing black. And I just got to thinking like, this is the message that the general public is getting. We're just hammering down on this association that the witch is this negative evil figure from the very beginning when their kids were showing them that the witch is a character and it's still majority bad witch good witch and not green witch witching witch herbalism astrology actual things that anyone is doing that makes it hard for people to understand that 
real life people are actively practicing witchcraft probably in their communities. I think a lot of people still have this negative association with witchcraft in general and magic and either think that's fake one or two that's evil and I think it's hard I think that's just generally what we're what we're fighting against it's just we're generally trying to break that stigma um, I quit my full-time job in May after I wrote the, the book at the end of January and I quit my full-time job in May I was working in sales and First of all, I wanted to write full time and focus on this. And second of all, I fucking hated it um, a lot. It was, I'm not a salesperson. You see, like to me, like a lot of witches right now who consider themselves like legit witches, they would say, unless you had done a spell to like be able to do writing full time, that that's not magic. But to me, the fact that you wanted to write and you made it happen, you conformed reality to your will, however you did it, whether it's through Instagram or whatever, to me, that's magic. It, exactly, and during that time, I mean, I'm not always a new moon, full moon, ritualistic person. Um, I'm more of a daily woven into my life magic person, but I did set a lot of intentions, not necessarily to do this full time, but for clarity as it related to my career and my job search because I didn't know if I was gonna go try to find another full-time job after I quit that job. And it, very quickly, I mean, within the next cycle of things happening, I was like, okay, no. Um, and now I can't imagine doing it. And I was able to cultivate you know, a freelance position where I work part-time from home that allows me to take my daughter to and from school and write whenever I want to and be at my house. So. I agree that for me it felt it felt magical and it felt like if I had not put out such a strong intention that it wouldn't have happened. And there's a line in the Green Witch book that just says magic for the Green Witch and any witch in my opinion, magic is mundane and it's in everything you do. And it's not, you know, I got dressed up in this amazing cape and I lit all these expensive candles. Yeah, you can do that sometimes, and sometimes it feels really cool, but um, whether or not you do it has no bearing on what you call yourself. There's no baptism. You know, there's no point at which you become a witch. And I see a lot of people asking those kind of questions, you know, how do I know what kind of witch I am? Am I this or this or this? Like, there's no, you just, you come to whatever you come to organically. It's not like I am decide I'm gonna decide that I'm gonna be this. Um, and I think most people who call themselves or consider themselves witches didn't like I didn't become a witch. It's like I realized that I always believed in this. And that's what I hear about paganism that no one converts to being pagan. They realize that they always were a pagan. And I had a really my dad is so my dad's like so not involved with any of the stuff that I'm doing. But um, we came home to visit last week and he said, well, you know, I had to I had to explain to one of my friends what, what being pagan is because of your Kickstarter. And I was like, well, what did you say? And he said, I said that it's, it's really just, you know, worshiping the earth and believing in mother earth. And he looks at me really seriously and goes, and I want you to know that that's what I believe in too. And I was like, oh my God, I could cry.
Um, so I think that a lot of people, you know, you hear it so much these days, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Yeah. Or, you know, you check a survey, what do you believe in? Oh, I'm just, I'm just spiritual. And I think if you had those people read a basic primer on what being pagan is, they would say, oh, oh, I'm pagan. And it just hasn't happened because there's low awareness. I would say in its most basic form, the definition of paganism is an earth-centered, earth-based religion. We have this big independent bookstore in Austin called The People. It is like the second largest independent bookstore in the country, I think, behind Powell's. And they have a whole section on children's religion. And it's a floor-to-ceiling, thick bookshelf. And I asked the woman working there, I was like, do you have any books on, you know, like, paganism or alternative spirituality for kids. And she was like, no, I've never, I've never seen anything like that. And she was like, why, why do you ask? And I was like, oh, because I'm pagan. And she was like, oh, I don't even know what that means. And I was like, oh yeah, it's, you know, religion, millions of people in the United States are practicing. And she was like, well, that's really interesting that we don't have any books always encounter situations like that even when I was in I took a diversity in the workplace class in college and they had us make these like pie charts like a pie chart of your identity different parts different ways you define yourself and I wrote pagan as one of my slices and the two girls sitting on either side of me neither of them had any idea what I was talking about a lot of millennial people especially millennial women are growing up and realizing that there's this whole other area out there and they grew up calling themselves spiritual and not religious and now they're finding out that all of those things have a name and have some formalized practices to them so we're seeing this huge growing move I, I see people every day like new people every day and I think I read something. I think it's the largest growing religion by percentage in the United States right now. You actually have a deep history with paganism and witchcraft. I've been actively practicing for about five or six years, um, which coincidentally or not, is about the same time I became a, a parent. Um, for me, there's been a huge intersection between those two things and kind of that transformation into motherhood for me. And before that, I was really just reading as much as I possibly could. Um, I read a ton of books, both fiction and not, on witchcraft, and was just really interested. So I am a very young mom. My daughter is six and I'm 26, so I was 20 when I had her. Were you raised pagan? My last name is Stein. My dad's Jewish on his side. My mom is Catholic. Neither of them are religious. Neither of them care. Um, so I was raised very agnostic celebrating both Jewish and Christian holidays. But I started to be interested in more of the occult side of it and OTO and reading about that kind of like ceremonial magic when I was in high school. And then I kind of transitioned and I read a lot about Wicca. I've never done the Gnostic Mass. I want to. There's one, they have one in Austin, and it's maybe 15 minutes from my house. So I haven't done that. I don't do many things with other people in person, like I said. Um, but I'm, I'm interested. It's just not really something that has ever presented itself to me in a way that seemed easily accessible. You're totally right. Ceremonial magic is not easily accessible. A lot of uh, witchcraft, it's easy to get into on a surface level, but to learn a little bit more about it in a way that doesn't make you feel like a complete idiot, that's very difficult. And that's also another reason why when I was, you know, backing your Kickstarter, 
I wanted the book for myself. I'll give it to my nephew when he's a little bit older and we'll read it together. But also, I personally don't know a lot about paganism. I'm not a pagan myself. So I was just like, okay, how can I read something that's enjoyable, beautiful to look at, and has solid information? The intersection of all of those three is actually difficult to find. It's written for, obviously, kids, I would say, two to six. Um, it was two to 100 on the Kickstarter page, but that's because I still love picture books, and I know a lot of adults that do. I still have all of my books from when I was little. And it's 300 words, and it rhymes. And it's hard to strip down this kind of information because witchcraft is very complicated and very layered, and obviously a lot of adults and people practicing don't fully grasp it. So what I was really going for was more of a survey. Um, it's more of a, these are all the different ways that you can potentially do this. There are maybe four or five pagan children's authors out there. I don't want to talk badly about the books. It's not that they're bad, they're dated. The artwork is dated and they don't look like traditionally published fun books that your kid would pick up at the bookstore. And that's what I wanted. I wanted something that would blend in. And also these books, they definitely uphold a stereotype of what paganism looks like, which your book avoids. I mentioned how I looked at Brina, who's the protagonist of this book, and it is so refreshing and very accurate to show the diversity that's in the pagan community. I know this is definitely one of those topics that is going to be a little bit upsetting for people, you know? Yeah. Like, and that's just the way it is. You are a white author, and the protagonist of your book is a little brown girl. One of the first witches that I ever followed on social media was Brie Luna of The Hood Witch. And I love her. The witch archetype for me now in the modern day, I think of her and I think of her hands. And I think that that subconsciously influenced me a little in my decision. I also think that I had read so many statistics learning about publishing about how many books about white children there are. And I had it in my mind, I said, I don't want, I don't care what, it can be any other race, I just don't want to write another book about a white child. I've gotten, I don't want to say like some backlash, I've gotten one person. Um, one person got really, really angry with me for making her a black girl, really upset. Um, she said that she was a black woman and she said that as a white person, I cannot possibly, I. I'm just listening to everything she said. She said, I cannot possibly understand the struggles that black children face in society and that I was just using a black child to try to be cute. She said I was trying to promote my girls while tearing her girls down. And she said that presenting a black child as a witch is demonizing them in society and that there's nothing positive about witchcraft. And that's where I came to, we have a fundamental difference of opinion. I see witchcraft as a positive thing. I came to this all in a positive way. I responded to her, I told her exactly what I was trying to do. And then I said, if you have a pre-existing bias against witchcraft, no, you're not gonna probably wanna read this book to your kids. If you think that being a witch is evil, then no, anyone that is cast as a witch is going to appear evil in your opinion. I had one friend, one of my friends is Indian, and she was reading the manuscript and she said, I feel like you're in you know, these are a lot of European-based traditions that you're talking about. I say, you know, 
a green witch, a kitchen witch, a hedge witch. I talk about Wicca. And she said, I feel like maybe you need to include, you know, voodoo, hoodoo, Santeria, um, something else. And I was like, I feel like that would be encroaching into space that isn't mine. I'm trying to learn and listen as much as I possibly can. Your Kickstarter says that this book is doing a survey of paganism. And you mentioned, yes, witchcraft includes things other than just writing on your broom. It is astrology, it's tarot, lots of different things. So what are some of the topics that you decided to put in this book? She goes through kitchen witchcraft, green witchcraft, witchcraft, Wicca, um, pantheons. She has an altar and she puts other things on her altar. It's generally about like different paths in witchcraft. Um, divination, tarot, runes, tea leaves, all of those fun things. And with kids, I think a lot of it is just opening up the conversation because they're not reading it to themselves, you're reading it aloud to them. So when they say, what is this? And they point to, that's the other thing too about picture books is that you can put so much more in the illustration than you can in the words. Um, words these days, like traditionally published books, the ones that are popular are the ones that have less and less words, 50 to 100, 200 words. My book has 303 words. But these books that have just these intricate pictures but barely any words are getting really popular because you talk through them. So they point to something, they say just, you know, what is this? Why is she doing this? And every page you have a whole conversation about what is going on. So they've even ebooks, kids ebooks are getting really popular, right? Well, a lot of authors are putting out kids' ebooks. I don't know that parents are buying kids' ebooks. And I was reading a survey that was saying it was studying the engagement between a parent reading a paper, picture book, or reading an ebook to the kids. And it said even if the ebook has all of the color and everything and you scroll through it, there's still lower engagement and less conversation between parent and child than reading the paper book. So, yeah, there's. 300 words and it very quickly covers a lot of different topics, but I, it's really just opening up the conversation. To me, magical mindset is like 90% of the magic. The spell, that's cool. The ritual, awesome. But all the spells and rituals in the world are not going to help if the mindset is not on point. It seems to me that you're creating the survey to start help orienting the child, or whoever is going to read it, like me, into that magical mindset. Because they think all the kids here witch and they either think that's not real yeah. or they think we're evil. Yeah. Um, my daughter was, she was just in kindergarten. She had a boy in her class. She told someone, she tells everyone that we're witches. Um, just, I'm like, yeah, girl. Um, but that's one of the things I was really worried about moving to Texas. Um, Cause I've lived in the Bay Area my entire life where it's cool to be a witch and walk down the street naked, smoking weed, and no one cares, you know? And I was like, we're moving to Texas. Like, if you had told me five years ago that I was gonna live in Texas, I would have laughed in your face. Um, it just happened that way. And I'm glad that we're in Austin, of all places in Texas. But it's still Texas, and she had a boy in her class tell her, witches aren't real. Something, something witches aren't, I don't believe in witches, witches aren't real. And she turns around and she goes, if you don't believe in witches, you haven't met my mom. Yes, I'm writing for the witchcraft and the, the pagan community. And I think that those are going to be the vast majority of parents 
that buy the books that I make. But there's this other side of it that there are kids that just need to see other cultures and other things that they aren't exposed to. My daughter is not a Buddhist or she's not Hindi. I still buy her books about other cultures. I still buy books about Islam. I still buy books about Hanukkah and Passover. It's still important that she is aware of all of the other traditions and aware of why I've chosen my path to be what it is. And that's really what the book's about, choosing. Let's go over some of the rewards. The tier that I selected, it's no longer available. It's the early bird and it's completely sold out. So yeah, the early bird, it was just the first 48 hours. If you don't have a lot of money right now, but you still want to show your support, you can still contribute a dollar. We can go through the Kickstarter platform and email people updates and anyone who donates any amount gets all of those updates and any like PDF or online rewards that we do. So I mean, if you're like a teenager and you just don't have a lot of money, you know, $1 still is amazing. It's like an energetic yeah. exchange. My little sister is, she was just finished her freshman year of college and her friends, her friends who like are not gonna have kids for a really long time <laughs> donating. One of her friends was like, well, I did go to her wedding and I didn't get her a gift. So I'll donate to her gift. That's so cute. The next tier is $10. So that's when you get the ebook. And the estimated delivery for the ebook is November. Then we start going into the hardcover book. $30. It's the actual first run hardcover copy of Brina signed by you. Yes. Well, of course, you're going to get the previous rewards, which is the ebook, but also you get die cut stickers. What are those? Okay, oh my gosh, I have some. So we just, they're, they're vinyl stickers basically. I have a bunch of them on like water bottles and like my notebooks and like my daughter's pencil cases and stuff. This was our first run of stickers that we did. This is the Empress sticker that she drew. These are the runes. And by she, you mean your illustrator. Yes, Casey. Casey, she's amazing. You can find her at, at Ethereal, like Ethereal, but with an A for Earth Design on Instagram. Um, the books, I have the books on my cell phone. Keep hot. I put stickers on everything. I always have a mix of stickers on my phone. And then from there, I think it jumps up to the pin, which is my favorite thing. Yes. So the next tier is $45 or more. So then you get the pin. I collect enamel pins. And I have been collecting enamel pins for years. And I have a whole like cork board in my bathroom that is full of them. Such a pin. Okay, that is so cute. Old. Pins are a big thing, like I didn't realize this, but like on Etsy, it's like a huge thing. And like, I just did like a video with my friend who's like a huge BTS, that K-pop fan, BTS fan. And there's a huge like side thing going on where there are people, you know, just like you or me, regular people are making beautiful pins about like very specific topics. So it's like a big thing right now. Yes. No, and I have, it's, my, it's like all fandom of pins. So like I have a bunch of Sailor Moon pins. 
and I have a bunch of Kiki's delivery service pins and um, like a bunch of Harry Potter pins and just like little things like that. People find little fun things. Um, this is a variant of the pin in gold. Oh, that is just so cute. Like my friend, she was wearing like a couple of pins on her outfit and then on her backpack. And enamel pins, guys, these are not like, you know, when we were younger, we had like, like that little round thing and it was like a cheap looking button thing. No, this is like enamel is nice. It's like shiny and like the metallic stuff is like super sparkly. I do like my daughter's jean jacket for her little health. Okay, that is super cute. Oh my God, that is just super cute. Jean jacket and like enamel pin. So $50 is the next tier. Okay, so the $50 tier, there's no pin but you get two books, copy for yourself, but then you can donate a copy to your library. It's really hard for self-published books to get into libraries and schools because librarians are ordering from a standard catalog. They generally aren't even finding self-published books to order them. And if they are, it's not in their budget to buy a random self-published book. So even at my daughter's school, I was like, would you take my self-published book? And she like, well, I can't afford it. And I was like, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I will give it to you. So I think if you donate them, people are a lot more receptive. The next tier is $80 or more. And it says here, add a limited edition angel or a quartz print. What's that? Pictures. So on the cover, on the cover of the book, there's this tiny little crystal in the bottom corner. And what happened is Katie drew it, she drew it really small, and she went to save it or something, and her pad completely shut down and erased all the coloring that she did on it. So she had to redo the whole thing, but she did it bigger. And she sent me the original draft, and I was obsessed with it. And I was like, can we do it as a print? And she was like, well, it's too small, and I have to redraw it. And then that happened, and she was forced to redraw the whole thing bigger. So we made it into a print, it's an eight by 10, you see it there? Oh, okay. And um, we're gonna print it. She has this paper. It's metallic citrine paper. So the paper is shiny. We're gonna just ship them out to everyone unframed, and then you can decide if you want to frame them, if you want to just put them on the wall, or if you want to give them as gifts or whatever. And I can just imagine how wonderful it's gonna look on that shiny. Yeah, and what I was going for with some of the rewards were like things that weren't directly like kitty or that weren't like directly from the book, like something that you could have on your wall and that you would just pick because it's beautiful and you like it, but that's not so like, oh, it's a character from a book that I read to my kids. So at any tier, if you want another book, so like if you want a print bundle, but say you want two more books, if you add with through Kickstarter, you can just add any amount to your pledge. If you add $18 per book, it's just adding a hardcover book onto each tier. If you want to get the $80 one, so you want that print, you want the stickers, you want the enamel pin, but you want two hardcover books, then you would be putting in a $98 pledge. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, good to know. And then there's the $135, and that's appropriate for maybe you want a lot of the books. Yes, and I wasn't going to include that one, but then I had people ask me, they said, are you going to do a wholesale option? You know, I own I own a store and I want to stock your book. And I was like, okay, like maybe one or two people will do that. And I think it's been like nine, nine maybe nine or ten people that have ordered ten books already. And then there's the Witchling Tea Party. If you, you know, if you really want to like go all in and it's like $500 for the pledge. And... 
you're gonna host a tea party. Well, it's a little tricky because travel would be super expensive. Yeah. So yes, you're in Austin, you are in Austin, Round Rock, Kyle, anywhere in the greater Austin area, we would love to come to you and do like a reading and a little party. Um, I think we'll end up doing one just for our kids and our kids' friends if no one buys that tier. Okay, so we've gone through the tiers and on the Kickstarter page, you can watch a video mm -hmm. that shows like all the, the illustrations and you can see yeah. for yourself. I've heard a lot of people make that comparison that publishing a book is like birthing a child. And they say that there's nothing like the amount of time that you put into growing it and forming it and the effort and then like launching it into the world and having no control over it. But it's that same kind of parenting and people call, they have book birthdays. So when your book has been out for one year, they call it your book birthday because it is like your child. It's like your, your next thing. And I said, I was like, I can't remember, like maybe I have at some point, but I can't remember the last time I worked this hard on something or the last time I cared about something other than a person this much. And it's kind of this like surreal experience that I had no like experience whatsoever doing what I'm doing and just kind of decided to pick it up and it's transformed into this thing. And when the Kickstarter launched, I was texting my best friend and I think I texted her in all caps. I was like, it has legs. I was like, it's a real thing. And I talked to my, my boss who I freelance for, she was in Alaska and she said something to me. She was like, well, you have a business. And I was like, oh yeah, you're kind of right. And I didn't, it was kind of started as like a hobby or a project and it has transformed into what I'm hoping becomes a small business. Well, I mean, your Instagram account is your publishing company, right? It's Moondust Press. Yeah. I think you mentioned like two other books you're working on. Yeah. They're also going to be published through this imprint, I'm guessing. Yeah. People ask me actually, like, will it be published my book? Or like, I have an idea. I had so many people contact me, like, I have an idea for a kid's book about woodcraft, or I I wrote this and I have this, you know, sitting on my computer for 10 years. And I think that happens to a lot of people that like they view it as something that's really unattainable or that's really difficult and that they could just never do. I'm hoping to be able to publish other people's books eventually. I am definitely going to put down all the links below. This is a Kickstarter project and so it definitely has an end date. It is fully funded so it's going through yeah. no matter what. August 28th is the last day that you can pledge and even though it's fully funded, one of the great things is the more funding that a project gets, the more reach. And also a lot of times creators will be like, okay, we have this extra, you know, wonderfully welcomed fund. Uh, what can we do with it? How can we yeah. take this initial idea and make it bigger? So that's exactly after the first night, what we were thinking about. So stretch goals, a lot of people on Kickstarter call it stretch goals. And we announced that that already hit our first stretch goal was $11,000 and that unlocked we're doing temporary tattoos so we did um, this design this was really fun temporary tattoo design that we're going to do with every single hardcover book um we also added um foil stamping like hot foil stamping to the cover so the name and some of the stars will be in silver foil and then the spine is going to be bound with linen instead of being the normal book spine so what i some stretch goals are like 
I don't know, we'll take the rest of this money and put it towards something else. I wanted to use the extra money on something everyone who got a book would get. So I wanted to make the book more beautiful. And then at $12,000, which is our next one to hit, it's the Empress print. It's the same 8 by 10 print as the Aura Quartz, but the Empress sticker here as our 8 by 10 print. And then at 15,000, we're going to order more books. Again, if you can only contribute $1, that makes a big difference. Like 100 people contributing a dollar, that makes a difference. So don't be like, well, it's not going to help or, you know, it's already funded. It's not going to make that big a difference. It really does. Yeah. Kickstarter, like Kickstarter pays attention to how many backers you have. And the more reach your project is getting organically, the more likely they are to show it to people through their platform or through Discover on the homepage. So yes, everything absolutely helps. You can also just share it on your social media. Maybe, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, it's like maybe you don't have the funds right now, but what you can do is you can boost the signal. And if this is something that you would like to see, witchcraft, paganism, diversity, uh, become more of a standard in children's literature, then this is a project that I hope that you guys will consider supporting in whatever way that you feel comfortable. And Andy, again, thank you so much for spending your vacation talking to me. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.